Coming up on Gangs All Here, the Jets went with the big offensive tackle, Makai Becton, with the 11th pick. Did they make the right choice? We hear from Becton himself, break down the selection, look ahead to the rest of their picks, and talk about the first-round storylines as Jets radio voice Bob Wischusen joins us. All that more next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If using Apple, rate us five stars and write a nice review. Bob Wischusen joins us in the second half of the show. Let's get into the Jets pick. All right, well, the Jets go with the big tackle at number 11. And I, when I say big, I mean really big. Makai Becton, six foot seven, 360 pounds. This is a mountain of a man. You know, we've debated it, it feels like, for ages because we've talked about this draft for so long, whether the Jets should take a tackle at number 11 or go wide receiver or trade down. Uh, I think they did the right thing. I think they had to take a tackle to protect Sam Darnold. They had to shore up that offensive line, you know, and these receivers from talking to people uh, inside and outside the Jets, the kind of the view of the receivers was there's a lot of good receivers, but there's no great receivers in this draft. There's no uh, DeAndre Hopkins that they'd be passing up on. And the feeling is that they can still get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of good receivers are out there in day two. They can find a starter uh, in, on day two, and maybe they find two. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take two wide receivers on Friday night or Saturday. So, uh, Becton, you know, is just gigantic. You know, he's a, some people think he's a little raw. Pro Football Focus, you know, had some concerns about him. There's concerns about his weight a little bit, but overall, you know, I, I like the idea of the pick, taking the tackle. I think it was the right move by Joe Douglas. I think Sam Darnold and Adam Gase have to be happy uh, this morning with the pick. Uh, with that, I'm going to bring in our producer, Jake Brown. We'll, we'll chop it up here on this on the Jets pick and see what he thought. And he's uh, he's got some thoughts about the overall draft coverage, the, the production by NFL Network and ESPN last night. So, Jake, you know, what did you think of the Jets pick, first off? Well, I liked it. And I think Joe Douglas at first was salivating because there was a point where Werfs, Becton, and Wills were available, and he, he was going to get one of the three then it came down to Becton or worse and I think it was a win-win either way the issue with Becton which I don't think is a big issue today anymore was the whole marijuana incident which now with the CBA changing and you know players that very soon are going to be allowed to smoke and it's not going to be a big deal I think he was honest and he'll say that as as a question that you asked him as we'll hear from him later on but I think he's a monster and I love the quote when he said about like I like to stare a guy down like I like to be on top of him he likes to send his defender down it's physical that's a and you like that the downside you look at cause is the weight issue that we talked about he's 363 he wants to be around 350 for playing weight but you know that's a big fella and if he packs on more weight than that you know that's a problem you, you start thinking about fatigue and those September games when it's hot or if he goes to Miami in a warm weather stadiums uh, that's something you worry about a little bit um, and then the flip side of that is you know he ran a 5-140 he ran fast for a guy who's as big as he is he's pretty athletic he played basketball so you know there there's the the pros and the cons but overall I think a lot of people look at him as a beast and he's going to be a, a week one starter come September yeah you know it's funny his um his mom Simone is a caterer Jake so <laughs> that's a tough life he to keep well yeah. keep weight off yeah he, he's eating well and <laughs> 
I guess she her specialty is soul food. So he, you know, he's had a tough time with his weight. I think he was up around 390 at one point early in his career at Louisville. He's he's, he's talking about how he's learned how to kind of control his weight better, and he's down at he's I think he said 363. So he is at last night. He'd like to play at 355. But here's the thing: when you go from college to the NFL, it changes everything in terms of your weight training and and nutrition because that's not your job. And the Jets have people on staff that that's their job is to make sure you're eating right. The Jets have a cafeteria. They they know what you're eating. They know how you're working out. Like they're monitoring everything. It's somewhat like that in Division One football, but you still have much more freedom than you do as a, than as, as a professional athlete when this is your job. You know, his job is now going to be get to 350 pounds, right? Like that's that's when he'll be graded on job performance. So it kind of gets different. And I do think I do understand the concerns with the weight. And for me, it's more about durability. You know. 21 sometimes you can be that big and it's not a big deal when you're you know if you're 25 26 and you've been playing five or six years in the nfl at that weight your body might start to break down the the interesting you mentioned Werfs, you know was the other tackle on the board when i talked to people they, they were all over the map on these tackles the four tackles and who was better and who wasn't but i sort of started things started to kind of shake out this week which they usually do and i kept hearing Werfs was the fourth tackle because a lot of people think he's a guard he's a little he's not as lo- as long as becton and i think that's probably what decided this and if he's not a guard they think he's probably a right tackle he didn't play left tackle in college Becton played left tackle and right tackle so he can do both the Jets like that I think they're kind of playing at both whenever whenever we get to football whenever the training camp starts they'll play him at both and see where he, they're more comfortable with him at and George Fant will probably be the other tackle so you know I think that's what the decision came down to between those two guys were you thinking wide receiver at all or did you want them to take a receiver no and I remember the podcast I said I wanted that but I knew it wasn't going to happen especially when those guys were available I think it depended on who was left I think I would have loved Wills Wills went number 10 of the Browns I honestly think if Wills fell there was a chance they'd take him but you know the Browns are smart in getting someone a block for Baker Mayfield who was running for his life a lot of times last year so listen I think Beckton was the right choice and you saw a guy like Jerry Judy drop all the way to 15 Henry Ruggs went first it was a heavy receiver draft and we already saw five of them go in the first round or six of them I believe yeah I think uh, six went six yeah. went in the first round and there's going to be more to come on day two tonight so listen I think it was the right choice I think Becton's a beast now the question is and you mentioned it is how does this line look is it is it a left tackle Becton right tackle George Fant is uh Chuma Idoga still in the picture uh is Greg Van Roten your right guard do you save I think it was around seven million if they uh, drop Brian Winters how, how does that whole situation work out here I think they you throw them out in the field and let them compete Jake, I think that's what they're going to do. They, the Jets like to have each lineman learn two positions at least. A guy like Alex Lewis learned all five last year, right? And you saw it last year with the injuries. They had 11 different offensive lines. So they you need to be able to play multiple positions. I think they like, they're going to like all their guys to be able to play multiple positions. My money is on Connor McGovern at center, Alex Lewis at left guard, Mekhi Becton at left tackle, Greg Van Roten at right guard, George Fan at right tackle. But I think there'll be a lot of competition. I think Adoga will get a chance to compete at tackle and Winters will get a chance to compete at guard, I think. And then they'll make some decisions at the end of training camp. You know, there's, there's they don't have, there's no reason to cut Brian Winters 
right now unless you just want to do right by him and, and let him go find another job. But so if they could still save that seven million if they yeah. do it in sometime in August. As long as he as long as he's gone before week one, they can save that money. But like the money isn't the big thing right now. Like free agency's over. <laughs> Basically, I mean, there's going to be a wave this week, but it's not the big money free agency. You know, I guess that would be an instance where maybe they'd want to do it this week. If there's someone out there that they're desperate to sign this week and they need to clear some cap space, they could do that by getting rid of Winters. But Winters had shoulder surgery last year and that can complicate things. I think he'll be there in training camp uh, and then they can make decisions at the end of training camp. All right, before we get into overall draft things, where do the Jets go next? They have the 48th pick Friday. They have the 68th pick thanks to the Giants, and then they have the 79th pick as well. So they got a couple of picks here on Friday. What position, any certain players that you see them targeting here? Not it's Receiver is the big one to me. There's a lot of good receivers still available You know, in the, the second round. Now, I think there's going to be a run on receivers early in the second round before the Jets pick. Some of these guys are kind of come off the board because the Jets now are 16th in the second round as it flips. You know, they flip it by round. All the seven, the Jets had the first pick among the seven and nine teams in the first round. They were number 11. In the second round, they have the last pick among the seven and nine teams. So they're 16th. So they're going to be waiting a little while tonight before picking. Uh, but right now, you know, Denzel Mims from Baylor is available. LaVisca Chanel from Colorado. Michael Pittman from USC, who I really like. T. Higgins from Clemson is still out there. KJ Hamler from Penn State. Those are guys that are possibilities, but they all could be, they, you know, they could be disappeared too by the time the Jets get on there. The other uh, positions I'd be keeping an eye on I look at cornerback. They they really need help at corner. And I think there's some good corners still available. Jalen Johnson from Utah is still out there. He'd be a nice pick for them. You know, there's a few others. Meek Robertson is a guy maybe in the third round if they wait there. Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State. Bryce Hall from Virginia. Those are all possibilities. Uh, running back. I think is a chance to we there was only one taken I believe in the first round I think the Jets need to address running back behind Le'Veon Bell and for the future you know I still think they could take another lineman uh, they could take a center or a guard uh, to add to that mix that we just talked about and then get some you know long-term people there because they have a lot of guys competing for this year but I'm not sure how many of these guys outside of Becton are in the Jets long-term plans so I could see them taking uh, a center or a guard as well. Yeah, and they have no seventh-round pick, so it's a fourth, fifth, and sixth. So Friday, they got a big day tonight with these three picks. These are big ones, and you said receiver. Uh, do you think – Do you? Th I don't think Higgins, when the Jets pick, is going to be available. I don't know if Pittman is also going to be available. They might have to do a little digging or think about trading up if they want to get one of those top receivers, and we know they badly need one. I don't think they'll trade up, Jake. I, I think they will, they'll see what's there, uh, and I think if – you know, if it comes to it and the cornerback is higher, they'll take the cornerback in the second round and take a receiver in the third round. I think these guys are all kind of throw. Then there's not much difference between a lot of these guys on the board and the Jets' eyes. And also, the Jets feel like they need everything at wide receiver. So there's not like one type of wide receiver that they want. So it's not like oh, we need this speed guy here, or we need this really big wide receiver, or we need um, a slot guy. They they, they they they'll take anything. They're, they you know they they want anything. So I don't think they'll trade up. I, I think they want. All all these picks and in fact I think Douglas would love to trade down at some point and get more picks because he has eight picks in this draft and there's so many holes in this roster yeah I, I think the order will be something of receiver corner edge rusher and then maybe get some depth for the O-line after that. But I, I do think receiver, and even two receivers, I don't think anyone will be mad if the Jets uh, took potentially two on Friday. Or You hit on something where you said Ed Rusher, and I didn't even mention that, and that's a huge hole in this team. Something, they're not going to come out of this draft with everything. <laughs> like, there's just too many holes. So, like, that's going to be interesting is just what, what they don't find. And, like, you know, 
they, there's only these three picks tonight are the guys who like you hope can contribute immediately along with Becton. After this, it's a crapshoot. You know, Saturday guys are like, you know, maybe they can contribute, maybe they won't. It's not like they're gonna be able to fill every hole tonight. And, you know, Douglas is going to have to pick and choose what's most important to him and what the best value is on the board. All right, the rest of the draft, and we'll talk more, you know, about all these things with the Jets radio voice, Bob Bushusen, and Becton will speak as well. Didn't have a lot to say, but I do love his quote that he does say about, you know, look, staring a guy down on top of him. That was the complete opposite of what, you know, one of the guys you thought they might fall to them was Andrew Thomas, who the Giants ended up surprising people taking with four, who was a lot quieter and didn't have that really aggressive mindset. But listen, it's, it's their first conversation after getting drafted you can't really look too deep into it Roger Goodell was corny I think he you know <laughs> he tried to address it early on with the booze and I love that they made it for charity with Bud Light and boo hashtag boo the commish uh his whole thing of getting the fans going behind him that was nauseating but listen I, I know you stopped you were writing after your pick so you missed yeah. a lot of the draft there was no sports so you know Adam Schefter yeah. got, got a lot of crap for saying that there, there was the WNBA draft he said this is the first I think what he was saying is this is the first thing that all sports fans were locked and loaded on and I watched the whole draft it wasn't like you know it was I have to get up in the morning to podcast from my living room I don't have to go into the city it was not like I need to get rest and shower and get ready in the morning it was like all right let me watch this whole thing because this is the only sports I'm going to get maybe for another month we'll see which sport comes back first but you know I think overall it was fine obviously 10 minutes between picks is long the the Goodell messing up tongue of Viola was big uh CD Lamb having his girl kind of rip the phone I don't know if you saw that video but he, that one, no. yeah he, he had two phones and his girl went to take one of the phones and he ripped it out of her hands and there was awkward <laughs> faces in the room you got to look it up it was very funny right. um and then rick ross also trying to pronounce tongue of viola broke the internet so i would uh, see that when you can um right. but overall what were your thoughts did you do you like the virtual yeah. draft do you think it worked out well I did. And, you know, I was I was someone who a month ago or three weeks ago, whenever this was you know being discussed, I, I was a little hesitant. I wasn't sure if they should go forward with the draft because, you know, there's a lot of people are dying, Jake, and a lot of people are out of work. And it's just it's not a great time and feels a little weird celebrating uh, something. But I was wrong. I, I thought it was it was very good. I thought, you know, it took my mind off of things for a while. And I hope it did that for fans. Uh, I thought it worked out well. And I, I gave all the credit in the world to the people that produced the show and ESPN. ESPN, the behind the scenes people, because it was smooth, Jake. And, you know, just producing this podcast can be tough yeah. with, the, with the three <laughs> of us that they had cameras in. I don't know how many people's homes, like between the GMs and the coaches and the prospects. And it was it was a pretty smooth production like that. That, that, that part amazed me. So I give them a lot of credit and I thought it was good. I, I thought it was a really nice kind of return to normalcy for a little while. I thought there would be more slip ups, actually. And there weren't yeah. the only slip up was that maybe the Rabel house needs to be sent some Charmin. I don't know if that was his son taking a dump in nah, the background. He said, that, he said his son was sitting on a stool. It looked like he had no pants on, so I don't know if it's a no pants. I think he short. I think he had shorts on though, Jake. And I like, why wouldn't the door be closed? Like, I, I don't know. I got there was a lot of questions there. Was, I had a lot of questions in, in all about the Vrabel household, not just the guy. And Mister Freeze behind him. His son was dressed in the costume of the Freeze, the Braves' uh, yeah, running yeah. mascot. Yes, yeah. I mean, I guess Vrabel's quote was, "It's been a long quarantine." So. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I I thought he was taking it down. I, that's what it seemed like. That was the more fun storyline, but you're probably right yeah. that uh, he was probably just sitting somewhere. But, you know, I, I have an open door policy in my apartment, but I also live by myself. But I know there's a lot yeah. of families who just you know take care of their business with the door open. Uh, I'm not sure if you do that with a camera that goes to ESPN and the NFL Network <laughs> in your house accurate. at the time. You know, so. <laughs> All right, Jake. Well, let's hear from what Jets first round pick Mackay Becton had to say after getting drafted. He spoke with me and the rest of the Jets writers on a conference call last night. What was the sense you got from the Jets through the whole draft process? And did you think that they had a, a big interest in you? Um, I, I just had I had a great sense about them. After, especially after I ran my 40, I talked to um, Coach Polak right after I ran my 40 for like a good good amount of time. And um, I, I kind of figured they were going to pull the trigger if I made it to 11. Uh, we talked to Joe Douglas a little while ago. Uh, he said he's from, you guys are from the same neck of the woods in Virginia. Did you feel a bond with him when you talked to him? And he also yeah. said you guys had a one-on-one talk yesterday where, you know, he asked you about the flag drug test and things. What was that conversation like for you? And just what was the connection like with Joe Douglas? I mean, it was definitely a great bond because when, when he said the street names, I knew what street name he was talking about. So it was a great bond knowing he was in the same, he's, he's from the same area I'm from. And um, it was, it was, that was a great talk as well. It was great talking to him. Like I said, it was a great connection when we talked and I figured out he was from Richmond. So Makai, I think the, the thing that, that so many people talk about with you is your size and your athleticism but it might be a weird question but has that have you always been like one of the bigger kids or was there a particular year where you had like a crazy growth spurt no i always been bigger than the average kid i always was big the biggest kid i was always standing over everybody in pictures and i was always the biggest kid so this is something i'm used to just speak to, to uh to the left tackle position if that's, that's the best spot I'm assuming, and uh, Ferguson, who who manned that position for the Jets for 10 years. Is that the kind of player you think you can be for this team? I definitely think I can be that type of player for this team. I mean, I have big shoes to fill, so I'm going to come in and come to work every day. So I'm definitely ready. Could you talk about the improvement you made from your second year at Louisville to, to last year, the kind of leap you made? I would say the coaching change, honestly, because Dwayne Leffer, he came in and just pretty much told me the things I was doing my sophomore year was not correct. And then he pretty much told me the right things from my junior year all the way from pretty much from the first day he got there all the way up till I left. Makai, you're going to get the chance to block for Sam Donald and Le'Veon Bell. Can you just tell me what that's going to be like? What do you think that's going to be like? What you know about those guys and how you feel about that? It's going to be great. You know, you get to see them play on TV every Sunday. So it's, it's great to be able to. I know I'm being in the same huddle as them, so I'm ready. Adam Gase said uh, you bring an edge to you, that you'll bring some nasty to the offensive line room. Uh, is that how you would describe your demeanor, some nasty? Yes, I, I think I think my demeanor is real nasty, honestly. I, I always like I like to see the man on the ground stay on the ground. So when, when I finish him, I like to get on top. Makai, we've only seen the media reports about the drug test from the combine. What happened there? I mean, it was just a it was just a, a messed up drug test, you know. I, I made a mistake, a young mistake that that wouldn't happen again. You know, it was, it was a one time mistake that's never gonna happen again. Were you concerned that that would greatly impact your draft value? I was at first, but the more I started to, I noticed that the more I got honest with the team that asked about it, the more I felt like better about it because they would tell me just just be honest about it. Don't don't try to lie. So it was better for me to just be honest about the whole situation. How would you describe yourself as a player, Makai? A dominant physical offensive lineman that likes to finish the guy in front of him every play. Makai, we've seen, uh, obviously, video of your workouts. Can you talk about uh, pulling a car, pushing a car, a truck, all the stuff that you're doing down there? Yeah, I mean, at first, um, I'm working out with Duke Manny Weather. Um, he had, he trains a couple of guys that, that play for the Jets as well. So it's going to, you know, it's going to be a, a kind of brotherhood already there. So, um, but at first I was working out, I was working out at his gym. And then once all this, this COVID stuff had happened, um, he had, he built his own gym in his garage. So we've just been improvising and working out there. 
Um, Kai, can you just talk about that that moment that you shared, I guess, with your family there when when you saw your name flash across the screen and, and you kind of realized that the the NFL dream was now a reality? Uh, it was it was it was surreal. Um, when I got the call, because I was I was pretty upset because I I was expecting it to go earlier, but when I got the call, it was it was just everybody was just screaming. I couldn't I couldn't hear the call at first. I had to tell everybody to be quiet so I can hear the call. It was it was just great. It was just a great moment. What do you know about? Have you ever been to New York or New Jersey? And uh, you know what do you know about the Jets history? No, I haven't. I haven't. I've never been to New York. I know the Jets had Brett Favre in the past. They had Ladanian Thompson in the past. So you know, I you know I followed the Jets when they had those guys. So Makai, uh, two tackles went ahead of you. I think there was a couple that went right after you. So this is a big tackle class. You guys have been talked about for a while. Do you feel like in the end you're going to prove? you know, that, that you were the top tackle in this class? I feel like I am. Only time will tell. I just got to go to work. I'm ready to go to work. What do you think the ideal playing weight is for you? Uh, about 355, 350 in that range. And what are you at now? 363. I'm still working to get that lower every day. How big is your father? The video, he's a, he could play tackle too, it looks like. Yeah, he played tackle in his days. He's uh, he's 6'5". I don't know how much he weighs, though. Makai, is, is monitoring your weight something that, that you've had to deal with? throughout your, your playing career at Louisville and in terms of it might get a little too high, you've kind of got to make sure it keeps low. I mean, how do you, you go about monitoring that? Yeah, I mean, when I was at Louisville, it was hard to monitor my weight because once I started training, I started to figure out that I would burn like 1,200 calories, 1,200 calories in a workout, and I, was, I wasn't restoring that in food. So when I was at Louisville, I wasn't restoring it in food. So that's why my weight was fluctuating so much. So then once, once I got here and Duke helped me out and I figured out that I needed to eat more. And then once I started to eat more, I was just the weight started to fall off. What do you know about Sam Darnold? What's your impression of him is? Uh, he's a he's a great good he's a great dude. He's really he look like he can take a team pretty far. You know, we ready I'm ready to work. Have you spoken to him or met him before? No sir. I can't wait to meet him though. What are the biggest things that Duke Manny Weather taught you? Uh he pretty much taught me um it's, it's all about the little things, honestly. He told me it's all about the little things because when I'm working out with him, we we work on stuff that you wouldn't think that you need to work on. So when he first opened my eyes to that, it's, it's helped me out tremendously. All right, I want to welcome in now Bob Wasusan, the radio voice of the Jets and star of ESPN television. I miss hearing Bob call college basketball, college football, anything right now, Bob. I would take I would take you calling uh, cornhole in the backyard. So uh, I'm happy to happy to hear your voice. <laughs> I miss having to brush my hair. <laughs> Right. I mean, like I, I miss having to get dressed. Yeah. No, let us out of our houses, please. Yes, please. Well, we got a little respite last night with the draft. I thought it was kind of a nice distraction uh, for a few hours from everything that's going on. I know you were hosting the Jets virtual draft party. What What were your thoughts when you saw the way things were shaking out and you knew the Jets were going to have, um, you know, at least a couple of tackles to choose from and all the wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, I thought the, the biggest fear for them probably would have been if three of those four tackles came off the board. Obviously, maybe the biggest fear, all four. But even if three of the four came off, and maybe the one remaining guy would have been the guy they would have had doubts about. And I don't know, is this really a guy we can picture a tackle? They wanted a tackle, clearly. Because when they were given the choice between Wurfs and Beckton, they went with the pure tackle, not the guy that may end up at a guard, could play right tackle, that type of thing. So, um, you know, I think it was a really secure pick for them. I think they had Beckton ranked a lot higher than 11th on their board. I mean, I, I, from what I was told, he was the highest of the four on their board. Now, I think a lot of teams say that. Right? I mean, what does every team say at the end of the draft? You know, I can't believe the guy that we had a chance to pick was there. Um, because, you know, I mean, everybody picks a guy that's ranked higher on their board 
than when they actually pick him in the draft because, you know, everybody's board would have to be identical. So that's not to be the case. So everyone's going to be happy with their pick. But I think they were really happy with this pick. He has a tremendous upside. And, um, you know, he's just a mountain of a man that's going to protect Sam Darnold for probably a long time to come. Yeah, I mean, opinions were all over the map on these tackles, but I, I was saying before, I, the, this week it started shaking out a little bit for me talking to people, and the people I talked to kind of grouped the three together of Becton, Wills, and Thomas in, in various orders, and worse was fourth because of what you mentioned. A lot of people think he's a guard, and they think he's going to be a really good guard, I should say. Like, you know, he could be a, a Pro Bowl guard, but like you said, there's the difference between a guard and a tackle. And so I, I you know, just I thought the Jets probably were ecstatic that, that this guy was there. Did you do any of his games at Louisville, Bob? I had them against Clemson this year. Now, you know that game comes apart quick when everybody's playing Clemson. You know, I mean, Clemson, even when Clemson played poorly this past year, they'd have a three-touchdown lead going into halftime. So you didn't really get a chance to see Louisville run their offense, but we watched them on tape against their previous opponents, and I worked with Dan Orlovsky all year, and of course, Dan, former quarterback, what's the first thing he wants to look at? Offensive line. So we watched Sexton, and I want to say we probably, if I remember, Clemson-Louisville was probably like halfway through the season. Um, So there were at least three or four games probably against decent competition where we saw Beckton play and we saw what everybody else saw. Like there are times where he's got technique issues. There are times where, you know, you can see he's got stuff to work on at the pro level, but there are other times where you're looking at me like, this is ridiculous. I mean, the, the athleticism that this guy has at this size, and if he maybe sheds 10 or 15 pounds in the NFL and becomes like a six, seven, three fifty, 350, even more athletic player, you know, I have to admit, I mean, I'm, and, you know, what does my opinion count for? But I'm, I'm more of a conservative when it comes to the draft. Like, if it were me, I would have hoped that Thomas would have fell to that spot because he's such a known quantity. You know, like, I think you know exactly on day one what the Giants are going to get. They're going to get a plug-and-play left tackle that is ready to go. He has been blocking SEC pass rushers and doing it well. But I don't think his upside is Beckton's upside. Like, if Beckton ever realized his full potential, think about what he is and what he could be. And I think that's what really the Jets are most excited about, that a guy with that kind of an upside fell all the way to 11. You mentioned here's there's some things he has to work on. He's a little bit raw in some areas. But what you have to hope is that NFL coaching brings that out of him. What NFL coaching can't do is make a guy six foot seven, 350 pounds, running a 5'140". So he, he has things you can't teach. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the good part of this whole thing. Do you worry at all about the weight? I mean, I, you know, you like like you, I watched the Brickishaw Ferguson for a long time. And the thing that always stood out to me, a lot of things stood out to me about Brick. But one of the things that stood out to me was Brick was not a massive man. Like he, he was, you know, he was big, but he was kind of, uh, he was trim, you know, and that I think helped him in never missing a game, never missing a practice, missing one snap in his career when Mangini went wanted to run a trick play at the end of a game. Do you worry at all about his weight? Sure. I mean, it, what's the first concern that you would have? is, you know, is this weight reflective of how hard he's going to work? Is this weight reflective of just a guy that's going to carry that amount of weight? Is that going to limit him? Absolutely. Um, You know, but Brick also wasn't like the road grader run blocker that this guy might be able to be because he didn't have that extra weight. So, you know, Brick was a superior pass protector. And you're right. I mean, he was, every time Brick, you'd see him in the locker room with his pads off, you'd be like, well, you're kind of as big as the tight ends the Jets have. Um, But that made with his arm length, 
length, you know, his wingspan, his reach. He was just a tremendous pass blocker. This guy has a chance to combine that same reach with girth, with athleticism, with size, where he could be a force pass blocking and run blocking. And, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's when you start to check every box. Do, do the Jets have to coach him? Absolutely. You know, I mean, they, they, and I'm sure with all the time that they've spent even virtually talking to the guys that you're looking at with these tackles in the first round, they must be convinced that the worst work ethic, attitude, desire is there. That this guy is carrying this extra weight because you're just not working on it every single day in college for the number of hours that you're going to work on it when you become a pro. Right. Yep, uh, exactly. I said before, this is now his job. His job is to be 350 pounds, right? You know, it's he's going to – all the focus is going to be on that. It's a very lucrative job if you do it well. <laughs> right, exactly. Where do you think the Jets go now um, tonight in the second and third rounds? What, what positions or players are you eyeing? Well, I mean, obviously I think they're going to pick a receiver at some point. I think the reason that they went with Beckton in the first round is because, and, you know, Joe Douglas has really not made too much of a mystery about uh, what he was going to do this offseason, that, you know, the depth of the wide receiver position allowed a team that needs to tackle the luxury to maybe not take one in the first round because there are guys that might be in other years drafted in the first round, available in the second round, maybe even the third round. So, I mean, I'll be stunned if they don't take a receiver. I think I'll also be mildly surprised, not shocked, because the board dictates more as you get into the third and fourth round, you know, what you're going to do. But I'll be mildly surprised if at some point with these four picks they have in the next three rounds, if they don't take another offensive lineman. I mean, I think an interior offensive lineman, like if you think about it, if Wirfs plays tackle, then I mean, I'm thinking about the first round last night off the top of my head. I don't think a guard then was taken in the first round. Last night, right? uh, yeah, the if only one, only tackle? interior lineman was Ru- Ruiz. The Saints, right? Like the Saints took center. the center. Yeah, center. Yeah, and the Jets have a center. I mean, McGovern, I think, is going to be the center for at least the foreseeable future. So you could make an argument in the second round if the board fell the right way, they could take the best guard, pure guard, in the draft if one of those guys dropped all the way down to forty-eight. So you know, I, I think they'll. If I were to guess, I think out of the next four picks, I would think at least one wide receiver. I think another interior offensive lineman likely, and then two other players that maybe just the board dictates. These are the guys we have to take, even if it's not necessarily a position of need. I think once you, you know, kind of get third and fourth round, you're not drafting on need as much as you are drafting. If you've got a guy that's like a high second round talent and he's there in the third round, even if it's not necessarily the exact position you need, then you know you're gonna you're gonna take them. I think Beckton was the perfect marriage of you know board value and need. They had to put a big left tackle in front of Sam Darnold. Like, you can't have Sam running for his life with no running game to lean on the way that they have the past couple of years. <laughs> yes, you're never yep. going to succeed if that's the case. Yeah. So if they go tackle, guard, receiver. Um, Corner? And then, yeah, I was going right? to say, I was going to say, if they, if, if, they, if they don't go offense in the beginning, you're going to have, I think Greg Williams might find a way to go outside Joe Douglas's house and responsibly social distance, but scream a, a stream of expletives at Joe Douglas <laughs> if they don't get a cornerback or an edge rusher for him at some point. And, yeah. you know, to me, you can't find that. Edge rushers are in the first round, and after that, it's it's very hard. But cornerbacks you can find. So I, I think, you know, I, I do. I think cornerback is a huge one tonight um and and some of them i I can even see you know in the second round if a cornerback is higher than a receiver on their board maybe they take the corner because it's possible you know and you're right i mean i can't the the one guy that didn't show up in the first round last night that i was expecting in the back end of the first round was aj spencer you know i mean he i I thought he was the best rusher that didn't get drafted in the first round now is he gonna drop all the way to 48 you know i mean i do think i don't think so 
The Penn yeah, State the kid too. Are, gross, Penn State's uh, the Gross Matos. I yep, thought he would go. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You threw Gross Matos. He's also, and he's a really interesting. So we had Penn State this year. He's a really interesting story. He lost his dad in like a tragic drowning accident. He lost his brother to a lightning strike when he was a little kid on a little league field. I mean, his mom and he have been through the ringer as a family. And you talk to him, and he has a big smile on his face and a love of football and a love of life. And he's just, he would be a great player for anybody just to have in their locker room and for guys to hear his story and then hear, you know, like what type of a kid he is and what he's been through and the attitude he still has. But yeah, you're right. Both of those guys, I mean, could the Jets with that extra pick that they have in the Leonard Williams deal, if they're just compelled to get someone they think they might come off the board, either at edge rusher or at wide receiver, they could move up in the second round and, and make a deal. I mean, that, that's the luxury of having that extra pick from the Giants as well, that they, they could, they, they probably have the ammunition to move up eight or 10 spots if they wanted. Yeah. If that, they'd have to really be in love with someone, I think, because they just have so many holes. I think he wants all those picks and, you know, and there's, this feels like there's a lot of the same grade guys out there. You know, we don't know what their grades are, but the, the public grades, it seems like there's a lot of similarly graded guys. I just have one more thing for you, Bob. I saw you tweeted about Jordan Love before some people are, what was your take on the Packers taking him, the kind of the surprise of the first round? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Lewis Riddick. I saw him on ESPN. This is a forward thinking move. It's the exact same move that Bill Belichick tried to make with Jimmy Garoppolo. And as far as I'm concerned, ultimately it's a win-win. Like if you look when the Chiefs drafted Mahomes, look at the season Alex Smith had, the one year that he was the starter in front of Mahomes. He got a huge contract off of that season, even though he knew he wasn't going to be the starter going forward, because competition and a little burr up the saddle sometimes is a really good thing. I don't think Jordan loves going there to compete with Aaron Rodgers by any stretch of the imagination. But do we think that maybe Tom Brady had a little bit even more of a late edge in his career? Because Bill Belichick spent the second round draft choice on Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, to me, it's an insurance policy, A. And B, it's a good thing for a quarterback to look over his shoulder, maybe see somebody in the rearview mirror, and then have the attitude to be like, oh, yeah, really? How about you take this from me? And if, if Aaron Rodgers does in any way, shape, or form over the next five years what Tom Brady did in the five years after Garoppolo was drafted, all years, basically, for the most part, but they still drafted defensive players other than Garoppolo. They drafted a couple of offensive linemen. Until they took Sony Michelle in the first round a couple of years ago, they didn't spend any picks to help Tom Brady. They brought some free agents in to try and help him, and I think the Packers will do the same. And the Packers could still make a, a, a pick or two in this draft with the deficit wide receiver to help Aaron Rodgers. But if Rodgers does over the next five years what Brady did over the previous five, and wins the Super Bowl and gets into another, well, then what Packer fan is ever going to remember with any anger that they spent a pick on love this year? And if Aaron Rodgers shows wear and tear and doesn't do what Tom Brady did, well, what if they're right? And what if now they will move into a third wave of, you know, of having a quarterback to build your franchise around the way they went from Favre to Rodgers. They go from Rodgers to Love. I mean, I get that you probably could have drafted a different player in the first round. And, you know, but sometimes the board dictates the talent. If they have that belief in this quarterback, Aaron Rodgers going on 36 years old. But if he just balls out and, and kicks it up everybody's rear end, oh, yeah, really? You think I'm done? How? I mean, it's a win-win for the Packers. I don't, I don't, I mean, I think the downside is far outweighed by the upside yeah, in either direction for them. All right, Bob. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time for us, uh, and hopefully we, we get to hear you call in some games sometime soon. Kaz, this is, uh, I hate to say it, but this is the bright spot of my quarantine for this week. This is as good as it gets for me. <laughs> that is sad. <laughs>
All right, yeah, Bob. Is that a little see window you, into my quarantine? <laughs> All right, brother. See ya. That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making the show happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. We will be back on Monday to recap the entire Jets draft. Stay safe, everyone. See you then.